1: Hey friends, I'm Erin O'Lilla and I am an SEO website copywriter. Hi Erin, thank you for being here.
0: This is going to be a great conversation. This is something... I feel like I talk about all day long. But it's still kind of mysterious to a lot of people. Like, you know, why, how do those two things go together? And what does one have to do with the other? And how does it all work? (laughs) Yeah,
1: And, you know, I'll tell you, websites are often one of the most neglected things, which is so strange because everything ties back to them. Email marketing people come back to your website. Social media, people come back to your website. Even if you're doing direct mailings locally, what will people do when they pull the mail out of their mailbox? They'll look at the flyer, and then they will come online. And maybe they'll get you on social media, because for sure, you know, a lot of people will just pull up a social media app. But if they're interested, they're going to go to your website. So people don't think of websites as being the most important thing, but it's really kind of that central hub where everything happens and you need to have like clear and concise information. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a little obsessed with websites. So I really see the importance of them and we can definitely demystify it today. Well, I want to get back
0: to the social media part of that because I I've heard this argument about people thinking that they can just have that social media platform experience and you know they sh- they should be able to control the conversation there which i mean i i feel like we are probably on the same page with this but before we do that Let's come go back to the whole idea of websites. And the the big question that we're going to talk about and answer today is what makes for the most successful website copy for law firms. So it's kind of a longer title, but, but it it hits all the buttons. So first of all, let's talk let's talk a little bit more about the website being that central hub and why why should we even care about the website copy if we are pulling them in from social media or an email newsletter you know what difference does it make why can't i just say hey i am x lawyer in y city and i do z practice area
1: yeah no that's really a great question to start this because the easy answer to that is you have more qualified leads so if anyone finds their way to you on social media and they say this person is a lawyer well what kind of lawyer right like there, There's a really wide range here. So you're going to get a lot of, if you're not having a qualified website, you're getting a lot of calls that people have to answer. It's wasting your employees' time or your own. If you're if you're picking up the phone, we all know that time is money. So if you're having to send people in different directions just because they're completely unqualified, well, that's just a waste. And then if we talk about the leads that know they're coming to us for the right reason, they still might not be qualified. Maybe that they're not in the area that they would really be ready to take the next step with you. Um, If we focus on SEO and making sure our websites are set up for that, what you're doing is you're attracting the people who are ready to buy. So they're both aware and they're ready. Instead of someone scrolling on social media and they see your post and they think, oh, I like them, Maybe they follow you and then the algorithm just kind of forgets about you over time. If they are in the need of a lawyer later, what they're going to do is they're going to search for a lawyer. They're not going to look through Instagram. They're not going to look through their LinkedIn and be like, I think I follow one or two. Like, let's find out if I can work with them because they're, they're not going to be able to find you. They're going to actually search for someone that they can hire and they're going to do that most likely using Google. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: So they, you maybe have invested thousands of dollars in your social media and you've you know done all these campaigns and they've maybe saved some of your things. But when it comes down to it, they're going to do a Google search because you're, either your message is off or all of a sudden they just have this need and, and that's just not where they search. So then how do you then appear on Google, so that it all ties together so that maybe that social media stuff is not a total waste, and maybe it all kind of, you know, gets pulled together in in a way that's that's that
1: that gets you the answer that you're looking for, too. Yeah, that's a great question. A a quick backward thing before I jump in because it's going to all it's all going to make sense in a second. But I love that you said, you know, you spend thousands of dollars really perfecting your social media because social media is not cheap and it it shouldn't be. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of analyzation. So I'm not suggesting that we hire cheaper people for our social media. But what we're doing is we're investing money where we don't own any of those leads. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, any of those companies, they own your followers. They can shut down your account at any time and for not needing to give you any notice and not having to reinstate your massive amounts of followers. So if instead we invest in, and I still think we should be on social, but if instead we're investing in drawing people back to our websites, having them sign up for our email list, well, what happens is you do own own those leads, right? You're getting to be able to, to market to them at all times. No one is stealing your email list from you. They cannot sh- immediately shut you down. So I think to answer your specific question, absolutely have a presence on social, especially if it's you're doing well and you're seeing people actually coming from that or interacting with your post. But the best marketing, as as you're aware, the best marketing is one that works together. So that's why we talk so much about branding and I know that in its own right is like a mysterious thing. Like how do I know I have the best brand? Like what is the best business brand? And I would say, I know this is a cheap answer, but the best brand is one that is cohesive. So if you're showing up on social media in one way, you should also be showing up in your email marketing in the same way. And the same for your websites. A lot of times what I've seen when I've audited some lawyer websites is that they are very professional. Like we're talking 1990s marketing, not going to have like a lick of personality, Um, overwriting, which is also a problem actually with some websites. Too much information pushes people away. So I, I see that. And then oddly enough, I will look at their like social media or even like sign up for like their lead magnets when I'm on that like website, if I'm doing an audit and they'll have personality on their social media. They'll share like, you know, like the different people working for them, like maybe a day in a life. And I'm like, why can't why is this? so different. And I think consumers of any industry, they get put off when they're expecting something in one place and they don't get it elsewhere. So the easiest thing is just to show up consistently and in a way that's the same.
0: Yeah. And it it's confusing. And what ends up happening is it it breeds mistrust because it's like, well, who who are you? And is somebody else putting together, which is probably what's happening. They have some outside person doing their newsletter or their social media. Um, and that's fine, like obviously that's that's what we do as well, but that person is just putting it together with their own personality, and they're throwing stuff in there that may or may not even make sense for that firm. Like maybe that personality is fun, but maybe the firm is very corporate and they're in Manhattan, and that's like a really weird disconnect between the kind of work they do and their clients. So, um, so how, I, I feel like that's a, a great kind of path to go down So how do you bring those pieces together?
1: Yeah, I think honestly, it's knowing what your firm stands for. So like there are so many ways we can do that early brand work, whether it be brand messaging, which is basically um, working with the people who make decisions like on how they want to show up, what their mission, vision, values are, and how we can bring that into their website. But there's another way, another approach would be voice of client research or voice of customer research. And that is definitely not something I see very often in this industry, but it's really relevant. Because what voice of client research or customer research is, is hearing your client's own words on either why they chose you or what they're looking for. And what that does is it informs a few things. It informs messaging in the sense that it tells us how they speak. So we can write the words in a way that they hear it, that they absorb it. You know, there is a big lawyer speak compared to average human speak is very different. Like the scales are off there. So that's why a lot of people are, I think, afraid to work with lawyers, the jargon. And if we're able to hear our clients, like what their pain points are, what they're struggling with, what they're confused about before working with you, then let's say we do that well on a website website that someone who comes to it is going to be like oh thank goodness yes, they a get me a law firm that yep. actually understands what the heck exactly.
0: i need exactly right We are working with a firm right now and uh, just had a meeting where we were trying to explain, Okay, first of all, your website is really outdated and bloated. And I want to come back to this in terms of SEO as well, because I feel like this is such a great conversation. And but it's overwritten in terms of like just speaking to Google robots instead of speaking to real people and especially in their practice areas. And so we were trying to explain to them, okay, so right now what you're presenting is language that talks about your work and that's that's fine you know but what the user is looking for is language that talks about what they need and yes the the end result is we're technically on you know the big picture talking about the same thing but the language shift in talking about what they need versus the work that you do matters. And that totally gets to them in the gut and in their, the places they make their decisions and how they decide that, oh my, where they get to that answer that you were just describing, where like, oh my gosh, finally, they get me. They understand this is my, this is my guy. This is my person that I need to work with. So, so can you speak to that whole idea of overly bloated sites that you know exactly what I'm talking about, where these sites that have been kind of written maybe five, seven years ago, and it's like, keyword after keyword and like you almost can't read it. It's so painful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I love SEO. I've been doing SEO for almost a decade now. So I feel like I have grown with the many changes that especially Google has done over time. But one of the easiest things that people, including SEO specialists and why I have such a bone to pick with certain different types of SEO industries that they do is they, they write so that way a robot can read it, right? one thing i think is going to be very helpful is google's new update this helpful helpful content update what they what that means is they want to make sure that websites are actually providing quality material and if they are they will ri- like rise in the ranks if they are not they will fall in the ranks so that's why it's important that if you're writing blog posts as an seo strategy you're writing them about the topics that you actually do and you serve your clients with you're not writing about any old legal topic because one you're attracting the wrong people like i mentioned before and two it's potentially not helpful if people are coming to you for a few specific things um so i mean that's like an easy way to understand it but so don't speak to the google robot who's scanning your text but two when it comes to being overbloated, i think that happens in a lot of industries. It is definitely not just the legal industry, but when you work in an industry where you have a lot of explaining to do, like this, you know, I mentioned jargon before, when there's a lot of like strategy involved, things that the average person would not understand, anyone in that industry, now this happens to me even as a copywriter, feels like they need to explain it, right? Like, But when people are buying, and yes, leads and internet searches they're in a buying moment, right? They're looking for someone to solve their need, even though it seems silly because they're probably just on their couch, you know, typing in a few things while they're binging Netflix, right? But in that moment, they're they're making buying decisions. So what we do is we don't want to confuse them. We want to make it as easy as possible for them to make a purchasing decision. Sure, you might have to share a lot of information with them, but let them make that purchasing decision. Let them build that trust in you first. And then once you've built the trust, once they feel confident, even if they're a little nervous, once they're ready to work with you, then you say, hey, I'm so excited we're going to work together. Here's some of the things we're going to do. Here's the process we're going to work through. Like a welcoming onboarding guide. People are ready to receive information then because they've, been able to make the decision, so you've given them the quality information they need to make a decision. That builds trust in its own right. and it and it starts a great client experience. Then you onboard them. Then you say, "Great, let's let's do this." And when you follow that structure, not only are you providing a great client experience, but you're providing a great experience for yourself. Because where do you, where does this all fall? Where does it like falter? Let's say it's when boundaries aren't clear. It's when information is not shared. So all of those difficult clients that you might be working with, it could very well simply be that they don't have enough information or the information wasn't provided at the time it needed to be. So they ignored it, like a website. You know, People scan and they see a process section. And I'm not saying process sections are bad. I love them in some cases. But if they see a process section that's paragraph after paragraph after paragraph and they're ready to buy, they're just gonna keep scrolling through that section and click the buy or discovery call right? or maybe go to another site cuz they're irritated and they've decided okay why are you telling
0: me about your process i'm looking for the buy button or the call or the you know contact now and you're
1: just getting in my way right totally so i think the you know it sounds so like undercomplicated cuz there is so much strategy that goes into this but the easiest way to have the most effective website is to be clear concise while still providing the relevant information. And I know that is really oversimplified, right? Cuz if you're listening, you're probably like, "Oh, great. Cool, Erin, could you maybe describe how to do those things, right?" But just think of yourself as a consumer, you know, especially making a big purchase. You know, lo- looking for a car, for as an example. What are the you want specs. You're looking for a car, you want specs, you want price, you want options for, you know, how what you're purchasing. It's really it. You don't want a story about how people like developed the certain parts within the car for every part that they have. Yeah, well, exactly. And I feel like people
0: undervalue the simplification and they don't recognize how hard it is. I just had a conversation with someone about taglines, too, and how like the three word just do it Nike tagline probably took a year and how... Simplifying things down is way more complicated than putting all of the words in there and overstating. And so when you look at like Apple, for example, it's so much harder for them to clean it up and, and give you that experience where it's super clean, super straightforward. And so in your description of you know that process, it's like saying, okay, I'm looking at this computer, I'm looking at the specs or this watch or this phone or whatever, and I'm ready to buy. And now you're telling me, you're giving me all this information about how to set up my phone. It's like, what? <laughs> what? I, I don't want that. You're getting in the way. I'm trying to buy the phone. Stop telling me how to set up the phone right now. Like I'm not there yet. First, let me buy the phone and then I will be ready for the setup and how do I, you know, install my apps or blah, 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 whatever. But Make sure you have the sequence right for the the psychology of how that conversion or the purchase or, you know, whatever happens. I feel like that's really lost and people feel like, okay, I got to just overstate
1: everything so everybody understands every part of it. It's like, no, (laughs) stop. What I hear a lot from my clients is like, well, well, where am I sharing this? Right. Because they know that there is a lot that goes into this. And I'll try to tell them like, or let's pretend you have like an average like five, seven page website, you know, maybe a couple services pages, home about. Well, where does it go? If it belongs on those pages, cool, let's keep it. If not and you're like desperate to keep it, make a blog post. I do have some clients that I'll tell you they are like desperately holding on to wanting to share information. And the the trick to storytelling when you shouldn't spend too much time telling stories is testimonials and case studies. And this would work great in the in the legal field too. You can have super tiny testimonials. And what made me think of this is when you said that like the Apple Watch or a computer as an example. You go on Apple's website, you see all the specs, you see the details, the options, the pricing. You also see testimonials. And in the testimonials are our use case like studies. Someone says, "I'm so grateful for my Apple Watch. You know, previously I was running and I had to take my phone with me all the time and now it does all of these things. It tracks my like location so I don't have to worry about like, you know, getting stolen." Let's say like right like like the stories are there regardless of whether they're relevant to you or not. You're getting proof that people like it. So there's the social proof and then you're getting that storytelling built in. So Apple they don't need a paragraph section for each of the features they don't need to say the beauty of this watch is that it can measure all of like the places you go nope it's just a little list a little checkbox list on what the features are there's no like paragraphs there's no storytelling so testimonials are easy but case studies work really well to tell a complete story the more you have the better for SEO However, the more you have, the less are going to get read, I would say, right? Like unless you have the client who or the future client that really does their research and they like are extremely going to check you out, people might only read a couple. So I always say like definitely lead with your best, like make them the easiest to click to throughout the site, but they're really going to help with SEO and they're going to showcase all all of the facets of your expertise right because cuz in the lo- the legal industry like there's not like you don't just go and set up an LLC and touch nothing else, right? Like like there's a lot of thinking that goes into like how you structure businesses. Then there's like everything. I mean, I can't speak for it cuz I am not a lawyer, but just just using that as an example, there are so many things that go on into business setup. There are so many things that go into future planning for wills and things like this. One one of my previous clients was a school lawyer for, you know, things that happen within schools that might need to get put through the process and you know explaining how she worked to me we realized we couldn't list everything on a services page right but we list the things that people are searching for when they're looking for to hire a legal representation and then the rest of it that she provides she can talk to her clients you know in conversations if something comes up she can say oh that's great like i worked on a case like that here's what we did and they're not going to say I'm shocked that you did that because she's a school law lawyer, right? So it's just, if you worry about this, again, those are some cheats. Like case studies and testimonials allow you to tell a story. And if you're reining it in, list, lists work great. You know, like some bullet point list, a column with a, a, a bunch of choices. You just don't make your website paragraphs of text because people will absolutely scan through them. Right. Well, and
0: bullets, that's how people's eyes scan. And so you're much more likely to have those read than if you put that in paragraph format. So taking a a kind of branch off of that topic, I wanted to come back to you were talking about the Google update and the SEO, you know, how that relates to people's SEO and this idea of useful and helpful content. So on the flip side, What happens if you've got this blog, and let's say you've had a firm for 10, 12 years, and you've built up this blog, and you know it's very heavy, and you've got all this content that's not useful. So will that lower your ranking? Will they be looking at posts that get zero traffic? And should you be removing those?
1: But yeah, this is a, my favorite statement in the world, which is so frustrating to people who hear it, is it depends. But I will stick, I will firmly stick by this because I can explain why things depend, right? So if you have a, like a legal firm and you have a great blog that you've really invested a lot of time and energy into and your posts are about like maybe a few segments of the law that you practice, but then that you have an occasional how to bake banana bread or like the best way to like landscape your lawn, those specific posts should absolutely be removed because they are not in any way related to your business. That being said, maybe you have some posts in the past 10 years of like introducing um, your audience to the people who work behind the scenes, you know, your legal clerks, your admin team. Those are not hurting you. Um, They're still somewhat related. But the beauty of this answer is you can go look through the content you've already created. I always tell people... (laughs) they'll come to me and they'll be like, I have so many posts and they're not performing. What do I do? And I'm like, do you know how easy you have it? Like you're in the best case scenario. And I would hire a copywriter or a strategist to audit what you currently have, figure out what is performing, and then figure out how can you improve the performing posts. The ones that are already doing really well, can you put some better calls to actions in there, right? Like make them convert a little better. Then look at the posts that are not converting well and think to yourself, is this helpful right like where does this fall on the scale of a, a me helping a lead determine if they should work with me or me providing information that they may need a quick aside i promise this is really relevant but i had posted on social a long time ago because chipotle had sent out its exact recipe for making their mild salsa i love their mild salsa right and i was like oh sweet great but then you know what i was like still not going to make it right <laughs> I'm still not going to make myself a Chipotle burrito. (laughs) It's so much easier to let them do it. (laughs) And it was such a like clear example, I think, for people not in the copywriting or marketing world to understand that providing excellent information to your consumers is not going to mean your consumers are not going to work with you. People are not going to start representing themselves in the court of law because they've like Googled how to like form an LLC as an example, right? And
0: actually, if some of those people, like let's say people Google, how to do their own divorce, and then they end up going out and getting the, the forms and whatever. That wasn't your client anyway. You don't want that client who wanted the $99 divorce. And so let them go. Like if that's what happens, great. Because now they just
1: saved you time. Absolutely. And that's why I say SEO is so important, right? Because sure you might attract a larger group of people, but the people who are actively searching for the things that you're providing are the ones that are gonna make those buying decisions, right? So it's also where I would say I hesitate to give advice here because I think that's when you really need to make sure you're providing the right content. A lot of what I see, not just the legal industry, but many industries do is they provide educational content for the DIYers. Like It's just the easiest thing to do. So it's like, how to do a $99 divorce? We've got you. Let's make this as simple as it can be for you. But that's not your clientele. And it's a real blind spot. So this isn't a judgment thought. It's a true blind spot. But I I say, if you're doing the audit on your own of the content you've already created, or you're just jumping in now by creating more content or more case studies, ask yourself that question is, the person that I want to work with, are they needing this information? Like, does it actually meet their needs or does it meet someone below them or someone that I don't want to work with? Maybe someone who would be like a, like a, needs someone else within the industry. And I think that, you know, it's a simplified thing to say, but it helps the blind spots, right? And I have them too. I catch myself doing this all the time all the time. How to write website copy. Well, I mean, I don't, I kind of want you to hire me to do it for you. (laughs) Or like, I can tell you about it. I can give you an overall review. And and I guess maybe this is a great answer to your question too, because if you have posts like that and you catch yourself speaking to someone, a lot of how-to guides, um, you you can adjust them. You don't have to get rid of all of them. You could just make like, this is how you do these things. And then finish that post, even if that means you're writing more to say like, but here's why you might not want to do it on your own and explain the few different reasons not just because that also shows expertise when you're when you're saying we have a process, we've done this so many times before, we do it quicker because of this, we want to save you the frustration. Those are all things that help people make decisions and think to themselves, you know what? I probably don't want to make this divorce. I want to make sure I'm actually divorced at the end of the day and not <laughs> like just like confused in a legal like battle with my ex-spouse.
0: Well, exactly. Like so to translate that to your chipotle recipe, I feel like Chip- Chipotle, with that recipe, they should have given you the details, gone into specific detail and like made it a little bit uncomfortable for you. Like we cut our tomatoes in a very specific way. And if you don't, it's gonna totally ruin it. You're gonna mess it up. We buy these whatever ingredients from a special place you have to buy him from there and gone into specific agonizing detail about this recipe and then and then said, you know, this is why it's the best. This is why we do all these things. And by the way, there's a Chipotle three blocks down from you. And and then, you know, we can go ahead and take care of that salsa for you.
1: Yeah, no, that is the great that is a great suggestion. But it actually really reminds me of what you said before when you brought up the like, just do it. Nike. We're in this online business world, whether we want to be or not, you know, like you might have been a small town lawyer before and you're like, oh man, like what is this website thing that I'm doing? This is frustrating. But here's where the advice goes wrong all the time is we are not Nike, we are not Chipotle, we are not billion dollar brands. When you are a billion dollar brand, your marketing budget allows you to make so many mistakes. I have worked I have worked on so many Fortune 100 like brands before creating content for them. And I I'm not joking when I say if a post, like let's say we're doing an SEO on like a specific topic, we're just testing it out cuz we really want to get it. If we put months of effort into it and it fails, do you know what happens? I don't get yelled at. I don't get like, "Oh gosh, Aaron, you failed." Because their marketing team are their scientists, right? They treat this like hypothesis, testing. And that means a lot of money is wasted to determine things. That's why I laugh when you said like, just do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I think there's a lot longer than a year. Like that's a lot of trial and error that went into totally. that. So, The I meetings, like to, imagine like the committees and the yes, people who are hours.
0: All, oh yeah. And the arguments and mm-hmm. like, oh no, we maybe it's just, just sort of do it or
1: just, yeah. <laughs> just try it. Try it out. Yeah. But I say that because I really, like, I feel it myself. I internalize this messaging that, like, is, exist, even though I'm in the marketing world, to think, like, well, I have to do this or why isn't this more easy? Well, I don't have a billion-dollar brand. I don't have the marketing budget. And even if you are an extremely successful legal firm, you also don't have the same budget as Nike and Adidas. So I... I love the idea of going out there and creating the content and, and having the flexibility to know that it might fail, you might not get the results that you were hoping, but, but here's where it's different. You still put a lot of good effort into it, right? You still really made sure that like it was helpful. The intent of the search is fulfilled, meaning if someone is searching for something, you don't give them a quick answer in the first two sentences and then start talking about something else, right? If you're doing that, no matter what, Even if the results aren't what you hope, it's still a success. I had a client who came to me when we first started working together and said, here's why I believe in blogging. I used to write a couple blog posts, you know, a month by myself. I never saw traction. Zero. And then two years after I wrote a blog post, It didn't go viral, but it went viral-ish for them, and they made so many sales. It was an e-com place. So they made so many sales from a blog post that they wrote two years before and sort of like zero traffic to, right? So it might seem like a failure right now, but what's going to happen is it's going to work itself out. And not that that means two years from now everyone's posts are going to work, but if one post succeeds, let's say 10 months down the line, and you're bringing in awesome leads like the ones you really want to work from then it's all a success right like all that trial and error is really going to help you and the same goes for website pages I would say definitely like try to have a little less trial and a little bit more success when it comes to your web pages because you generally will use less words in your web pages and there's going to probably be fewer web pages because you want to make sure that you're directing your leads on a journey through your site. So it's like, hello, I'm the homepage. Learn more about me on the about page. And this is how we can work together like this right here. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like
0: part of the lesson you're describing with the blog post too is patience and just recognizing that that is a significant part of marketing is knowing that there's time involved and these people who look like they're overnight successes they're not they've been working on this for years and years and then they finally nailed one it's probably going to be the same for you the likelihood of you just writing like launching a website writing a blog post and then bam making millions of dollars uh, pretty slim (laughs) so like letting patience be part of your strategy and knowing that's a big part of just kind of hanging on and you know keep going. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think it's also understanding where you are right now. You know, there's many different size law firms, right? There's that solo lawyer. There's the firm with like a ton of people working there. And not that those are either sided of the scale, but I think we have to think, oh, well, who else is there to fulfill these roles? It's not that easy to do blog posts, right? Within a blog post, there's the writing and making sure you're really speaking in a way that feels nurturing. Explains things well, and you're doing SEO best practices. There's the uploading. There's the image sourcing. Like, so I'm I'm bringing up a bunch of like silly things, but people look at blog posts and they think, oh yeah, I'll have a VA do that, or I have a college intern that can come and do that. Fifteen minutes. We're done. Yeah, (laughs) right. And that's fine. I mean, if it's not something you do all the time, you like automatically know how long things take. But I just I like to bring that up because if you are that one person law firm and you're like getting started, you have to think how can I be consistent on this, right? So maybe you're not writing a blog post every week. Maybe you do one a month, and then whatever you write for your blog post is tied into your once-monthly newsletter. The more important part is showing up consistently and with quality information than like a higher quantity of posts or newsletters with junky information. Exactly,
0: and people are gonna see that very quickly. I mean, it's like that first impression where you can't quite necessarily Put your finger on what it is about that person, but you just didn't really have a good read on them. Same with, for sure, with your newsletter and your blog posts and stuff. If it's not great, they're just going to instantly dismiss it and then uh, either unsubscribe or just never read anything else that you that you write in the future. So, you know, making those good quality impressions, is really, it's a big deal. Spend more time, get the good stuff out there. So Erin, it is time
1: for the book review.
0: (laughs) So I know you have a, a cool one to recommend. So what is the book that you have to recommend to our audience?
1: Yeah. So the I actually have a graduate degree in creative writing. I assumed I'd be like a scholarly professor teaching like young minds in a classroom. And then I also recognized how little pay teachers get and how, how hard it is to become like a tenured professor. So I was like, oh, let's check this and change my mind. But I bring that up because I spent a lot of time studying with some of the greatest like creative writing minds. And I loved reading books on like how to write, which... I never thought I would. I'm honest. I was like, the first time I got some books assigned to me about like reading other writers' methods, I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. But one of my favorite books is Bird by Bird by the author Anne Lamott. And I do too. My favorite non-associated like associated book by her is Operating Instructions, which is the first year of her son's life. And it is so vulnerable and real. And I think you don't get how real it is until you read it. And if you're a mother, you're like, oh. mm -hmm, Oh, there it is. there, done that. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But to the point, I think, on how this can be helpful for your listeners is what I love about Bird by Bird is it's writing instructions through a lens that is so easy to read. And one of the best advice that I've heard on this book is to write a stinky first draft. I'm not sure if I should use a swear word right here, but but it's like write the worst draft that you could possibly write because what holds people back is just the doing. you look at a blank page and it is terrifying. I've, I've got a master's degree here. Like I have my MFA. I have been copywriting for seven years now and writing for years before that in like publishing industries. I have my own online literary journal, and I still hate blank pages. It, I sit down to my cu- computer, and it's blank, and like be a little blinking cursor, and I'm like, great, I've got to do this again. So imagine the people who are not like natural writers who haven't been trained on this. So I, that's my best advice from the book, but, but the whole book has really valuable lessons that are not written just for writers like you don't have to have that like i'm going to write for my job lens to like really get the message from it so i definitely think people would like that book oh
0: that sounds it's a great book and what i i love about this idea is that i'm picturing that blank page and it's such a hurdle but when you picture a crappy first draft like, that's easy. You can go in and like, there's a word. No, I don't like that one. And you just tweak as you go along. And then it's it's a project that you can manage. But the blank page is really hard to manage because you're just sitting there thinking about, oh, this is it. I'm never going to write again. Like, I can't do this. And then it just becomes like this emotional, like, just hurdle that you can't get through but once you've got something even if you recognize it's not great then you just work with it and you just keep you know going and at least you're you're through that you know all that all, all that other ugly stuff that just becomes so difficult the other book that i love that I, i'm guessing you might have read that's kind of along that same line is big magic and that's more talking about like how how to have those creative ideas and I think those two would work really well together with people like how to be creative and and it's not just people who are like consider themselves artistic or creative people but just how to live a creative life and then you know bird by bird is more like how to actually do it like how to get the work done. That's such a great recommendation.
1: I have a third book that I think is like the middle of both of those so exactly what you just said but then my third book would be Natalie Goldberg's Writing Down the Bones and what it is is a tiny tiny chapter book and And I'm not sure if everyone uses it like I did, but when I was in my undergrad, my teacher suggested reading a chapter and using it to generate writing. So one of the chapters she has is about like a fly on the wall or like a fly in my glass. And it's just her kind of talking about what this experience was like for her. But like, you can look at it as a way to get your own creativity out. And I think that that would be a really like, it's that middle group, like, Bird by Bird's going to teach you, like you said. The other one's going to give you the inspiration, talk about creativity, and then to put it into practice in a way that feels very um, non-committal, like not nervous. It's not writing about your law firm or yourself as a lawyer. It's just letting you write really random stuff to get your like creative juices going. That yeah. would be that book.
0: Oh, that's a great recommendation too. Okay, so Erin, what's one thing that you'd like people to get as a takeaway from this episode?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's get out there and get working on this which is that's silly but I would say commit to, to writing or hiring someone to write a few small things for you. If you're feeling pretty confident with your website I would recommend a few case studies or a few blog posts and what you'll do with the case studies is you'll look at what do I like doing most what is the way that we want people to come into our firm and and get the best client that you've had the most success with or the bigger story for for the blog post it's it's similar instead of talking about like a story it's going to be like what point do my clients have a question especially when it comes to the pre-work of working with me you know as a copywriter one of the questions is like what's i mean not that i have a piece of content on this but one of the questions is um how long does it take to write a website or why is seo even important like can't you just write the words for me without doing any key phrases so think about that like where what are these questions you hear during the process of people considering hiring with you and then how can you answer those questions for them Yeah.
0: Do you recommend having the case studies? When we do the case studies, we usually have them in a different part of the site separate from the blog. So it's usually on the about page or one of the pages of the site as opposed to the blog post. Is that how you do it too?
1: Yes and no. It depends. As many times as I could potentially say this, I think in the legal industry, it's probably better to have them separate because they are going to be treated different. Like, they're going to be treated as that story. So, like, you get to know this one client or this, like, uh, using my client's case of, like, the schools, right? Here's this educational institution and like the trials they faced and how we worked through them whereas a blog yeah you might be informing yeah you might be educating but and there might be some story but it's Kind of separate. So I would, in this industry, probably keep them separate like you suggested. You could have, if you have enough space in your top nav bar, you could just write case studies or like client work and and focus them there. But I would probably separate them here. Other industries, I might just say like, plop them in the blog, right? Like if you're, especially if you're coming up with so many or they're short, you know, little tiny client wins. Put them in the
0: blog. Yeah, if you have a bigger firm and you're doing case studies on a regular basis, then yeah, it might go into the blog. But usually, for the work we do, it's 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 meant to be that separate story that's really kind of re reaffirming part of the decisions and how people are going through that process of thinking about working with you. And oh yeah, you did this for them, and oh that's a That's a nice heartwarming story
1: and you all that stuff. And the only other thing I didn't, I don't think we mentioned this whole time is don't forget to interlink these things as well. So if you have a case study, I know I said calls to action really quickly, but if you have a case study and it's on this one topic, let's say divorce as an example, at the end of the case study, it is totally okay, especially if you've really provided the story. You've provided the quality content. It's okay to say, do you need help with this? Call our team and we'll like get someone to help you. Like, I'm not trying to sound like an infomercial here, but it is okay to sell and then give them a button that lets them book themselves into a discovery call or whatever your process is.
0: I would even say you're almost missing the boat if you don't, because there's a reason they're reading that case study. It's not just because it was well written. Like, I'm not going to read a case study on a divorce if that doesn't apply to my life in any which way. So, if there's a reason, you need to speak to that reason and then give them a quick way to, you know, get in touch with you so if you don't I feel like you're kind of missing it
1: absolutely I don't want to get divorced I'll put that out there so I'm gonna go look into things like wills and things like that like I'm just gonna be like leave that one to someone else let's not drink. just myself. in case <laughs> your husband's listening <laughs> yeah. thank you um, yeah. but it's really true and it, even whether you have the calls to actions or not always like send them to that services page send them to your about page because that interlinking actually trains Google that these pages are related right as as smart as we all like to think Google is what we do with SEO, with the way that it's written, even though we, we both, Karen and I both don't want you to like write to a robot, what we're doing though is we're informing the Google robots to like, to scan the text and then to say, oh, this is relevant, right? If you had that banana bread post on your website, so it's like, la, 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 banana bread... It's an automatic indicator. This doesn't belong here, which is going to sink its rankings and then lower the rankings overall because of that. So it all works together. And So you no know,
0: banana bread. I feel like that may be the takeaway. No banana bread post. Eat
1: as much as you want. <laughs> it just doesn't belong in your feed. If field. your
0: firm <laughs> does uh, like work for bakeries or has some very specific targeted no, details. just link it to the bakeries. Link
1: to the bakeries.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let the bakeries do it for you. Right. So, yeah, still take the banana bread posts out. I feel like
1: there's no real exception for removing the banana bread posts. <laughs> Not in this industry. I mean, I could make some exceptions for other industries like nutrition, right? Like maybe you're a nutritionist and you want to have like that healthy banana bread recipe. But you lawyers need to stick stay away from that banana bread and the and the salsa, like the Chipotle salsa. <laughs> Leave the salsa to Chipotle. That's their... <laughs> yeah. uh, I feel like
0: that's so important important and people feel like oh but I'm showing my personality and it's like no 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 that's you you don't show your personality with a banana bread post we're gonna do it a different way
1: And I mean, if that is the case, like if you really wanted to show personality, like maybe like you, you want to talk about what's your life like outside of work and bring those things in, you can. But instead of writing a banana bread post, like maybe make it like the entire post as like a day out of the office, because it's going to give you some behind the scenes. And then what you're doing is link out to a different recipe if you want. Like that's not going to hurt you, you know, but and you can share those little quirks if you want. Just make sure that whatever you're sharing is still helpful. Like, Is this helpful? Do they get to know me better? Do they get to know my agency better? Cool. Share it. Just don't include the whole banana bread recipe within the post. (laughs) I, I, I'm going to do a search
0: for banana bread pros on, on law firm websites, and I hope that they start to decline after this
1: episode is aired, so that people get—if if you get find anything any. else, yeah. Yeah, right. thats We're- totally fine for cold outreach at that point, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> i'll just send him the link to the episode i feel like this episode was made for you
1: <laughs> you're doing a great job we just want to help you make it a little bit better
0: exactly exactly awesome well erin Alilla is a conversion copywriter specifically works a lot with seo and and content and how to work them together and thank you so much for for being here i feel like this was a great conversation that had so many little nuggets of quality information and I seriously hope that the banana bread posts are <laughs> go way down. We should have just a Google search for that and, and just watch it decline
1: as a result of this episode. But thanks again for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.